How'd you do, I? See you've met my faithful handyman. He's just a little broad dime because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not much of a man by the light of day, but by night I'm one hell of a lover. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. All right, welcome to Random Acts of Tangent. This is part two of our two-part series. <laughs> uh, we have uh, with us again, my, uh, my name is Adam. I'm Rex. And I'm Skyler. In the first part, we kind of discussed the origins of where Skyler came from and uh, a lot of other things, just like our show's named Random Acts of Tangent. We jumped all over the goddamn place. So I want to start off with a question that I probably should have started with at the beginning. There are a lot of terms which you kind of got into in the first podcast about what you would like to be called or what you guys have been called mm-hmm. up to this point. Are there any terms that you find offensive? Tranny. I hate the word tranny so much. Tranny, all right. Mm-hmm. But doesn't that usually refer to transvestites or does that also refer to transgender? Uh, any Anybody in the trans community. Transgender is the most appropriate term. Um, if you want because it, it's, it can be kind of cumbersome to like always say like transgender woman or transgender man. Like just, like as far as far as brevity, like just trying to keep it short and sweet. Okay. Um, but tranny as prefix is really just almost exclusively used in a derogatory term. So like proper like slang, I guess you would say, would be either T girl or T guy. Okay. T girl. Hadn't heard those before. It's like a car in the eighties. T bird. Yes. Okay. So uh, as a transgender female, as mm-hmm. what you call yourself. Uh, does that mean at some point you wish to make the leap, get some sort of surgery done to become full female? Um, I considered sex reassignment surgery uh, between the ages of 11 and 15. Okay. I ultimately decided against it, uh, primarily because it's a very involved process. It's a very long process and it's a very expensive process. And I right. felt that I probably wouldn't have the support from relatives and the financial support on my own. Um especially at such an early stage in life, to really go through with it. Okay. And in addition to the fact that um, a lot of people that were already close to me were already, um, I guess, accustomed to me being male. So it was just a... Uh, I, just, I decided that it wasn't worth the... After weighing the pros and cons, I thought it would just be easier just to continue living as male and just expressing um, my gender identity rather than making the transition. The interesting thing about uh, transgender, the transgender community, I think, is that uh, the surgical... Uh, capital for that the specific type of procedure is in uh, Colorado, isn't it? I think so. I'm yeah, not sure yeah. if it's like limited to like one area of the country, or if it just depends on the doctor, the doctor's expertise. Oh, okay. I, I remember watching a show and something about that. It was just like one of the like bastions for conservatism is uh, <laughs> that sounds like that. Sex is a Repository for sex reassignment surgery. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Which are those so very interesting and complimentary at the same time. Because <laughs> my, um, the other tea girl in our club that I mentioned, um, she began the hormone tr- treatments at age 16. And if you are going to have sex reassignment surgery, it's actually better to start 
the therapy um, as early as possible, especially when it when you're talking about a male to female transsexual, because male genes are obviously more dominant, and those are harder to remove as male as the male body continues to develop, because your the muscle density, the hair growth, all that kind of stuff, it's harder to remove, and so it's very it's a lot easier to start off as early as possible. And so she started her um, hormone therapy at age 16, and so she. As I said before, anatomically, she looks completely female. It's just that she has her male genitalia still intact. And the surgery for that... Um, Can I ask is... you a weird question? Mm-hmm. Does she have a nice rack? Yeah, <laughs> she actually does. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Now I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> you said a T-girl. That means she, at this point right now, still has all the male properties. Yes, she still has a penis and testicles. But visually, as far as like um, breasts and hair and facial structure and Hips? everything like that. She looks... Hips even? Yeah. She looks completely female. Wow. So how, do, how does that work as far as dating goes? You kind of got into a little bit on the last podcast about having to suppress it for a while, but I mean, you I, I assume you've dated quite a couple males and or, well, I guess yeah. males in your case. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does how does that work for you? Um, I started off looking primarily for gay men just because... Um, I wasn't even aware of the like the category transgender. I thought I just thought that you know gay people were really just divided into like super masculine and super feminine. I didn't realize <laughs> even realize that there was like a category for people okay. like me. Yeah, it makes sense. So um, I started dating primarily gay men, but then you know gay men are they're gay for a reason. Like they're not attracted to femininity. They're not attracted to women. So they like men who are they like they're men who like other men basically. Right. So it, that kind of creates a problem for transgender people because we identify as the opposite sex. Well, see, not. I've always thought that was kind of weird when it came to lesbians. Uh, a lot of times you have those... Uh, the butch family couples? Yes. Thank you for those PC terms. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, a lot of times you have lesbians where there's like a lipstick lesbian and then there's the like butch uber-masculine right. lesbian. And I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. I'm like, well, if, if you want girls, you want a girl. You don't want a girl that is a guy. Right, and you're just looking for a guy without the the uh, equipment. Yeah, there there are there are gay gay men and uh, lesbian women who are like that. Like there are gay men who are very masculine themselves, but they do like men who happen to have a more feminine persona, personality, appearance. But they're just not they're just not sexually aroused by the actual female body. And the same would be for certain lesbians who, you know, maybe very feminine themselves, but they still like masculinity in their partners, they're just not attracted to the physical body of a man. They're still attracted to the physical body of a woman. Well, see, that, that I feel like that's, uh, there's there's a fine line there, too, though, because a lot of the girls that I've seen that are uh, the more, like, masculine women, uh, they gain a bunch of weight. They they have so much weight on that you can't even tell that they have hips sometimes. The, they play down the fact that they have a rack. You know, period. They they don't even uh, have uh, very feminine uh, haircuts. They don't pluck their eyebrows. They don't do a lot of things that are traditionally considered feminine. I mean, not to impose a traditional kind of label upon something that it wants to supersede that. But I mean, I I, I get I get I get what you're saying. I yeah, get your yeah. point. But the fact is, like, one, like you're still looking at them from like our perspective, like, just out in society, but the fact that in the bedroom, like, when the clothes actually come off, they're still breasts, they're still vaginas, they're still etc. So, again, it's like, even if the aesthetically there's a more masculine appearance, like, this, the body is still female. 
and that's what they find attractive. Well, what I'm saying is, what if you have like a really just like out of shape dude, and he has bitch tits, <laughs> but he's got like the manly part downstairs? I mean, where's the line? Because I feel like a lot of those out of shape girls that are masculine come very close to that standard. There's actually a story in the news that uh, just came out this week, where there were transgender, I guess, females. Uh, where they they are males, but they've gone through some of the hormone therapy where they mm-hmm. actually have breasts. Yeah. And they they went to a beach and they were walking around topless. And Whoa. They, got, they got cited for indecent exposure. And their argument uh, is, I still got a dick. It's not indecent exposure. Girls can't do that. No, but I'm not technically I, I, a girl. That, I feel that bullshit though, because if they identify as a woman, then they should. Yeah, they're trying to play. they that's that's like that's like, like a situation where you're trying just trying to play the field or like take advantage of the situation. Yeah, right. like if you're if you're adopting a female identity, then you should conform to whatever the female standards are. And if you think those are if you think those standards are wrong, then you should work within the right. You should uh, move to Europe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you should work within the right the right protocols to try and change those views. Right, but you shouldn't try to like. So, so these are the guys that are being the or the, the ladies that are trying to be too extreme. To, that we were talking about in the last podcast, where you're making a bad name for it. Where yes, you are a male because you have male genitalia, but you're in the process of switching over, so you you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You're you're trying to make a statement, you're trying to get in people's face by having your your tits flopping around. Yeah, yeah, that that. But uh, getting back to the, like the dating subject, um, so I started off dating primarily gay men, but then I found, like, you know, the second they find out that I'm transgender or that, you know, I just carry myself in a very feminine manner that, you know, they don't find that attractive because they like, there are men who like men and they like masculinity, etc. So, um... What, I'm sorry to interject here, but I remember whoever it was, uh, they, they told me that um, they wanted me to come with them for protection because there are actually hate groups that cruise uh Gay sites and and sites where they these uh people that that are are like Sky here and they'll try to draw them out to under the illusion that they want to date under the yeah under that false pretense wow and when they show up they'll beat the shit out of them and as soon as that happened as as you know as as weird as as uh Geo and I thought it was or whoever it was we were like. Oh fuck yeah, yeah! I'll come along and, and fuck those motherfuckers. Or even, you know, if something goes down, we'll, we'll see. We'll see who's the fucking bitch. Seriously, because we will fuck them up. That's bullshit. Like, Imagine if you couldn't meet a girl that you wanted to date because you had to be in constant fear of getting your ass kicked. Wow. That is, I mean, it's bad enough already that that you, oh, me and my friends are very apprehensive about it, <laughs> <laughs> even without the threat. Uh, imagine if there was one. Yeah, I think last, no, it wasn't last year. It was two years ago. There was a case where a transgender girl was murdered in that very oh in that very God. situation. Like they had met, um, they had met met over MySpace, so they had been emailing each other for like a couple of weeks. So I mean, it was very clear. And she, like the police, when the police were actually doing the investigation. They read all the emails back and forth, and so she had told him, like, you know, within the first, like, one or two emails that, you know, she was transgender and that she still had did have her male genitalia intact, but she hadn't actually completed sex reassignment surgery as of yet. And so he was completely aware. And so, again, under that guise of wanting to date her, like, he was like, yeah, let's meet up, let's hook up, like, I really like you, I'm interested, da 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 and he ends up killing her. Wow. And so those are, like, those, like I said before in the earlier podcast, those are the kind of fears or precautions that we have to place upon ourselves when we're trying to find a love interest. And it's one of the things that heterosexual people um, often get to take for granted. You know, if you, if either of you go out and you 
walk up to a girl randomly at a bar or at the mall or something, you have two. You have two different. <laughs> you guys, your guys are going to get one of two responses: either "Yeah, let's hook up," or "No, thank you." Like it typically ends ends there. I mean, I'm using a general, a very right. broad generalization, yeah. of but course. for um, gay people and especially for transgender people, it's either "Yes, No," or "I'm going to end up dead." And so we have to take that into consideration at any point. Yeah, you, you're saying that. Uh... Primarily, or at the beginning, I should say, that you are going after only gay men. Um, then, um, as I was, I guess as I became more comfortable expressing my femininity, I started dating primarily um, bisexual and bisexual men who actually lean straight, meaning they have a primary attraction to females, but maybe a small attraction to males. Okay. Attra- naturally attracted to femininity. Exactly. In that case, you're a home run then. Yeah. Because you you got the feminine side, but still the male genitalia, mm-hmm. so it's everything works out perfectly for them. I, oh, of course, ideally. There's a lot of variables there. Yeah. And um, to kind of go off of that, uh, like I said before, like a lot of people try to define bisexuality as being completely 50-50, which I'm not disputing that. I'm, there are plenty of bisexuals who um, like men and women equally, just right down the board. But you all, there are also a lot of um, bisexual people who have a preference for one sex over the other. So there are bisexuals who have a preference, meaning like on average they're more likely to be attracted to the same sex or the opposite sex. And so a lot of people who are a lot of people who are um, technically by definition bisexual, meaning I'll just use men for instance, like a man who is let's say ninety percent of the time attracted to females, like meaning you know in everyday society, whether they're working or at school or something around, when they see you know just general people in society, ninety percent of the time they're just going to be attracted to women. But then there is that ten percent where like every once in a while they find a guy that is attractive. Guys on that end of the bisexual spectrum are more likely to just identify as straight just because of the fact that it's unlikely that they're going to end up in a relation, a committed relationship with a guy. Well, so. I, th- I think uh, Professor Kinsey, mm-hmm. to bring this back to psychology, found that uh, very rarely are people... Uh, Exclusively heterosexual or homosexual. There you go. He, the, he found that in anonymous tests, people identified as uh, different uh, percentages or dispositions of heterosexuality and homosexuality, and that he found almost like no one. No one, uh, very, I mean, we're talking about a very minute percentage of the population would, would admit to only ever finding one specific group attractive. They'll, 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 just despite identifying as straight, there are straight men that will admit that there are other straight men that are attractive men. It doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that they're, uh, sexually aroused. Exactly. But they are willing to admit it. Yeah. And, that, and that's something that I say all the time. I mean, my close group of friends know that. I got a huge boner for Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bruce Willis, too. He's <laughs> yeah, a good guy. Everybody that knows me, they're always making fun of me because of how much I love Bruce Willis. And I, I've joked around saying I wanted to eventually have my kids. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, I am, I'm a straight guy, but I can, I can see that. Also, uh, Gerard Butler's another guy I, have, I enjoy a lot uh, because he's a real man's man as far as the roles he plays anyway, and also his ability to not just play the manly roles, but also he was in the Phantom of the Opera. His as as the Phantom, range. a huge range, yeah. where that role could be something like, eh, I mean, 300 and then Phantom of the Opera. It's a huge, wide range of, of talent. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll admit that there are certain people, you know, men out there I admire. Edward Norton, man. Yes. As Jesus Christ, you see them in uh, American History X. Total fucking badass, crazy motherfucking right. skinhead. And then you see them in Fight Club, fleet off. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, and, and I maybe it's because I've acted before for five years, but I appreciate him as a human being. Even you know, I'm not 
that's not even like man to man. I appreciate that there's intellectuals out there, actors of that caliber, where it their their work is art. Yeah, not to mention they don't look too bad either. I mean, they're good looking guys. But uh, so the study you were saying with the uh, the Kinsey, there's also extremes to the other sense where guys will refuse to acknowledge another man's sexuality or attractiveness because it makes them less but of a they, man or something. They found that men that are typically like that or that are less willing to admit to it are actually, um, they call it uh, flag bearer syndrome. The, For instance, like there's, to kind of like give two contrasting views, like there's a really big difference in being completely completely homosexual or completely bisexual like 50-50 and being closeted and denying yourself and then being on the other end where you primarily consider yourself heterosexual but there might be some minute attraction to other men where you're not denying you're not in denial about anything it's just that your attraction is just so minute why even why even bother to bring it up because you're not likely to ever pursue it at any point in time right yeah well they, they found that the people that are at the forefront of these um anti-gay movements you know like you, you it's, it's funny because you listen to these movements and people that are politically motivated typically try to frame it as I'm pro this, I'm pro that, I'm pro life, I'm pro choice, even though they're against each other, they're both pro. Right. They, these these people that are blatantly anti-gay, or it, I mean, very rarely they'll say I'm pro marriage, whatever. <laughs> um, or ex-gay. Or yeah, or ex-gay. Um, <laughs> these people, they're gay. It's like that guy they found at the airport, the, the one we mentioned him earlier on the yeah. podcast. That guy was the, uh, the leader of the American Family Foundation. Which is a pro, it's a Christian, a, a conservative Christian organization that advocates against um, any kind of gay rights movements. And yes. so he was soliciting gay sex in an airport bathroom. And he's yeah. the head of this organization. And, and, and they've been very, very forward about thinking gay is a choice, gay is wrong, people are just never gay, shouldn't be ever gay. Yeah. You know, and, and they found that psychologically that there's a syndrome. It's called black bearer syndrome. Because let's be honest, if you were 100% heterosexual, right? Would you ever be threatened by gay people? Ever? Would you really? Would it be? <laughs> would it be? Why would? Why would you? Would you suddenly be compelled to to speak out on it to the extent that you yeah. are in the public, in the limelight, in front of cameras, going, "No, these these effing uh, faggots are just they're, they're everything." No, they, why would I care? Why would I? Me thinks thou protest too much. Exactly. <laughs> But to uh, kind of like draw back to my original point, like um, again, bring up my my other friend who um, is also transgender. Her boyfriend identifies as straight because you know she is a transgender female, and so he doesn't. Even though um, she still has her male genitalia intact, you know she still has the visual appeal of a woman, and he's primarily attracted to women. So it's unlikely that he'd ever want um, or either talking about romance or sex a man who looks identifies and has the persona of like you know a man's man. So from his perspective, like he just identifies as straight because that's the easiest category to put him in. So he, he's a he's a guy, a transgender female, but actually is male, classifies himself as straight, but no, no, no. Male. I'm talking about her her boyfriend. Her my boyfriend. friend, my fr remember I said my friend who is also transgender. Yeah. I'm talking right. about her yeah, boyfriend. But, but your your oh, friend okay. grew up being a man and mm -hmm. then took hormones and became a woman. Sure. But still has the uh, the tools downstairs mm -hmm. as a boyfriend. Who identifies as straight. Who identifies as straight. Correct. Okay, because he's dating a transgender female. Mm -hmm. So, in his mind, it's female. And I guess in both their minds, she's a female. female. Right. Okay. Interesting. How do, you, how do you feel about this guy? Um, we, actually met, we actually met at uh, the, the GLAAD Media Awards. Um, GLAAD is the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, which right. is a media organization that monitors how gay people are portrayed. Um, yeah. 
But um, we met him, and they make a really great couple. I mean, he's a really good guy. He has a good head on his shoulders. Um, treats her with a lot of respect. Um, they really make a perfect couple. I mean, she um, had, like, this gorgeous red um, dress on, and everybody at the awards was like, oh, my God, you look so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> like, she was they're, – they're a really good couple, so. Okay, now, as, as far as uh, the boyfriend's circle goes, uh, his, his friends, his family, do they know that his girlfriend is a transgender female? No, they don't. She, um, and that's another thing, um, it's kind of like a right to privacy, um, especially with, for transgender people, like, we want to be able to tell, if we're pre, especially if we're, um, post-operative, we want to be able to tell people in our own time, like, right. we don't necessarily want to walk into a situation where everybody knows, and then that makes us uncomfortable, yeah, so we want to be, like, we want to have that, we want to have a connection and a level of trust before we kind of, like, come forward with that information, okay. and so she actually wants to be able to, she, she specifically requested they not tell anybody, because she wants to be able to tell people in her own time. Yeah, I, I can't imagine what that would be like when eventually that does come to light. Mm-hmm. That's a real test of uh, your loyalty? friendships, your family, yeah. who really cares about you as a person. When you eventually do come out, my uh, my girlfriend here? Foreign male. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's used to be a dude. <laughs> I, I cannot imagine the discrimination and the craziness that would happen because of that. Yeah, I mean, even within my own family. Who loves me to fucking death, by the way. I mean, my family, I'm the firstborn male family, uh, I mean, firstborn male on my mother's side of the family, they love me, I'm the favorite. If I did something like that, you're up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's there's a line there that they love. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love you to a point. <laughs> and um, it's funny because at the, we were doing a panel presentation for a sociology class, and my friend is 35, and so she has, I think, eight younger siblings. And so she's one of she's one of the oldest. I'm not sure if she's she's either the oldest or the second oldest. And when uh, her mother passed away, uh, she and her uh, the other oldest sister um, adopted three of the kids. So she took care of three, and the other took, three took care of three. Oh wow! Okay. And so she they basically grew up knowing her as their mother. And so she said, like you know, every Mother's Day I get um, flowers. Huh. Wow. All right. Well, good. Yes, she deserves them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Would that I, I just, also again, the same situation? Growing up thinking this is your mother, and then later on somehow finding out. Well, I mean, they they know they they, they know that know. she oh. they do know that she's transgender. Like she was, they were around um, when she started the treatments early on. But okay. I mean, just it's just that um, for the extent for the majority of their lifetime, because they were very small, like they still they just grown up knowing this is my sister. But you know, she's taking care of us as as if she were our mother. Wow, it's very uh, progressive. Uh, you have you experienced any discrimination from your friends and or family because of what you are now? Uh, my family, primarily, I think, um, again, because I come from a very strong uh, Christian household, right. uh, when I came out at age 16, it was probably the most difficult because my parents just couldn't accept it. Like, my uh, stepfather said I was, like, you know, shaming the family. Well, my mom said I was shaming the family. My stepfather called me a spawn of Satan. Wow. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> and um, did you, really did you turn to him and say, uh, tell me how you really feel? <laughs> Don't hold back. And then they were, like, paranoid that I was going to turn my little brother and sister gay. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, like gays in the sea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they said uh, homosexuality is the spirit that has attached itself to me. Oh, so you're well, demon possessed. Yeah, yes. You need to be <laughs> exercised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Never mind. Fuck. Wow. Right. And it's funny because my brother and sister are the only two people in my family now that I'm actually close to. Like, I'm a, I'm a decade older than my brother and sister, so when I was nine, my brother was born, and when I was ten, my sister was born. Yeah. And so I was I was pretty much their third parent. Like, obviously, my mom and my stepdad. Um, well, you're probably the most sane. <laughs> <laughs> but the three of us... I don't know if Satan! <laughs> the, three, the three of us are actually the most alike. 
I think, as far as, like, our outlook on life. And so we're closest out of, like, our pretty much entire family. Like, we'll sit back and, like, just laugh about how crazy our parents are. <laughs> and the rest of our family, too. We love them, but... You know, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure yeah. that can be said for every everybody and their parents. They're a little crazy. But they're your parents. you got to love them. True. Very true. As far as uh, friendships go, you're, you are you have a lot of male friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know Rex is one of them and so on. Uh, is there any... Is there any tension between you and your male friends? Because, um, because of, you prefer males. None that I'm aware of. It's funny because growing up, because because my father was such a negative influence of my life, and because I was hold on, hold on here to, to bring the kind of like side. Familiarize them with what your father does for a living, my even father, though he doesn't like gays. My father's a fashion designer. Oh, okay. Total irony. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. How do you do that? that that's like a that's like a, a job profession that's primi- primarily ruled by the the gay community. Yeah. Yeah. Just I don't know. It boggles the mind, so I try not to think about it. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, at least you got it in. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, because he was such a negative influence on my life, I l- grew up primarily with a fear of men, just an absolute fear of being associated with men or being around men, just like. I was um, primarily concerned with building strong friendships and just you know having people in my life that were female. Not only because because I was seeking something to identify with within myself, but because I had this like preconceived fear of being close to men. And so that kind of colored my early childhood and my early teens, where I was only really I was really only willing to have um, female friends. And then that kind of I don't know how, but it kind of switched when I got to college because now the majority of my friends who are close and that I identify with are straight men, so kind of like did a 360. <laughs> okay. But uh, no, there's never been any um, animosity between me it, or my logic. friends. Now, the, these uh, these friends that you have now, they known you from the beginning that you were a transgender female. Correct. Was there any friends that you had from before that once you eventually did come out, they kind of were uh, did the back off boogaloo once they found out that you were back off boogaloo? <laughs> I thought Skyler was the only gay one on this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, actually, all my friends, all my friends, like even the ones that um, I felt out of contact with originally, just because I moved, I moved to Texas. I moved to Texas for my last three years of high school, and then moved Whoa, back to California. To te- Texas, I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> Is that right? If you're gonna move anywhere. Very <laughs> oh. tolerant state, that Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Almost as tolerant as Arizona. Right. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. But uh, no, my friends have always been supportive. Like. I mean, I originally came out as gay at first just because I I, did, I didn't know that there was a category for me. So then after we came out as tra- being transgender, like, there was still the same mutual respect and admiration. So I've never had, I've never really had any um, problems with any of my circle of friends. Because I, I try to think, uh, since I, I found out you are going to be on the podcast, I've been thinking a lot about all, all, every gay issue, every transgender issue, that and how it could affect me at, at some point. And uh, thinking that if any of my, my friends did eventually come out, it uh, depending on which friend it was, I, I might be surprised. I may not be surprised. <laughs> like, nah, you're lying. No, seriously, dude. <laughs> I, I knew the entire time. It's cool, dude. <laughs> no, but I, I wouldn't find myself thinking back on all the times we hung out and did things together. Like, all right, was, Bob. Yeah, was was he into me at that time when we were in that situation where, looking back, maybe it could have been like he was coming onto me or not or whatever. I just. Uh, maybe it's because of the loyalty that we that we have for each other that we talked about in the last podcast. I'm not gay, Adam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't believe you. 
But uh, to kind of go off that, like there, like I, I flirt with my straight friends like all the time. But, but within I that, flirt with me too. Are you fucking <laughs> Jesus? But they're my friends. Like they're, I think uh, the people need to understand first. Like the, these are my friends. Like these are people that we've stated several times that you know we take a bullet for each other. Like there's Who a certain me? sense of affiliation right. here. I mean that's why I feel comfortable. Take a bullet as in. Like an actual bullet, okay. like I'm willing to die for. Her. He wants me. <laughs> I love you, Robert. <laughs> I love me too. Yeah, no, because we do that a lot too with uh, with our group of friends. Where I mean, we're all straight guys, as far as I know, and mm. but we do do a lot of gay joking around with each other, mm. and uh, especially in high school, there was a we used to play a game, uh, gay chicken, where we uh, get close to each other, maybe touch each other, and whoever chickens out first, they're like, ah, it's too much for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's 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 entertaining. We always brag on each other. As far as uh, that one, that one movie, uh, you know how I know you're gay. I think that's four year old virgin. Yeah, yeah, yeah four year old virgin. Yeah, that, the same you kind like of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's never anything other than that. It's, it is just joking around. And, and if we were to hang out a lot and we did the same kind of thing, I would feel totally comfortable doing the same kind of gay joking around with you because mm-hmm. to me you'd be a friend. You're, you're not a gay dude. <laughs> you're not a transgender female. You're a friend of mine. And that's joking around. That goes beyond the label. Yeah, stuff happens. Yeah, no labels. Yeah, there's no label there. It's just like friendship. What I said, I just hate stupid people. <laughs> I don't care if you're black, white, gay, transgender, whatever it is. Just don't be fucking stupid. That, that's the one thing, again, to restate. Now, uh, kind of going back a little bit to the friend of yours that you said uh, was had a, a boyfriend that considers himself straight, mm-hmm. but his, his partner is a transgender female. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually down the line... She does intend to have sex-based surgery. She does? Oh, yes. wow. Now, I, I don't know what this kind of situation would be, but if the road eventually did lead to marriage, how would that work? Would that be a gay marriage? No, it wouldn't. Uh, it wouldn't. She, legally, she is defined as female. Okay. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, legally she is defined as female. Like, her driver's license, all of her documentation, it's all female. And so that's, that's in line with current uh, political laws and medical associations and all that kind of stuff. So, so, so they, they could legally get married at some point. Yes, they could. So, so does that mean there's a potential loophole for... Uh... <laughs> no, no, seriously. <laughs> think, I mean, to, to think about it in a very law-wise as far as loopholes, uh, gay couples out there that are so, you know, very up in arms about the fact that the Prop 8 passed in California, could they potentially just say that I am... One of us is transgender. <laughs> no, I'm the bottom. And then you use it as a justification to get married. Could they do that? Um, well, I'll, I'll use myself in this, as an example. I think I would. I think there is a there's a requirement that they at least be in the process to receive sex reassignment surgery, oh, meaning they've okay. um, begun. They've actually begun to live their life as the opposite gender. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that, man. I mean, hormones affect women normally, and yeah, it's already too much. Loophole be damned, that's a long, expensive process. Yeah, the, the, the actual, she said that the actual surgery that, um, she would need to complete costs about $60,000. So. Wow. Fuck, man. And, well, and, and it takes a couple of years, right? Because, from what I've heard, you have to live a year as the opposite sex. You have to live a year as the opposite sex with, before any hormone or, or right. any surgery. See, I don't, that's one of those things about, like, all these fucking religious groups that are that are wacko, in my opinion, where they're just like, gay's a choice. I'm like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> <laughs> that, to have that dedication, they're, they're going to fucking shell out 60K, and um, they're, they're going to you know go through this horrible fucking experience where they take hormones that make them go wacko because it's a choice for fun. Well, see, here's the thing, <laughs> here's the thing I think you're confusing. 
uh, being gay does not mean you want to become the other sex. In the case where it's trans, transgender, transgender's choice, I'm like, yeah. hey, people are going to choose this? Yeah, no. People are going to choose this. Based on all the stuff they have to go through, why would you choose yeah. to be this way? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm going to hang around with my friends and be like, hey, you guys, you know what would be a fucking kicker? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I don't Dude, I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> I dare you to get a sex change. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not gonna fucking happen. I don't, I don't see how these fucking religious fanatics get off going. Gay is choice. Transgender, these people, they're just deviants. Yeah. No. And if it was a choice, if it was a choice, I mean, I'd be like, well, okay, have sex with a man. Like, if it's really that easy yeah. to flip a switch, like, that means that you should be able, equally capable of just, like, jumping to bed with a dude. Right. Yeah. It's not gonna happen. No offense, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, how, how do you feel about the uh, whole uh, gays being able to get married, or does that affect you at all because you are a transgender female? Um, it does. Um, specifically because I'm pre-op shit. So, if I were, if I were like were in a relationship and I want to get married, I'd still be classified as being in the same sex relationship. So that it does affect me, even though I am a transgender female. But um, I've been very politically active ever since I came out at age 16. So um. I rallied along with other college campuses against uh, the passing of Proposition 8. Um, I still follow it very closely. Um, I've done a lot of political research on um, marriage and the comparisons between um, the bans on interracial marriage in the 60s versus the bans on same-sex marriage today and how like those kind of biased in laws. The 60s even? Yeah, the bans on interracial marriages weren't struck down until 1967. Yeah. So inter- interracial marriage has only been legal for the past 50 years. Wow. Wow. I thought we were a lot further along than that. I'm sorry. I mean, I wasn't familiar with that. No, no, as far as, uh, as far as Prop 8 is concerned, I think that's ridiculous. I, I think that it's, it's not a, um, it's not a moral issue. It's, it's, a lot of people took it out of context and they thought that the state of California was going, hey, what's your opinion on this? You know, it, it wasn't. It was more specific than that. There, the state of California was going, well, given what is said in the Constitution of California, how do you feel that extends to this specific situation? They weren't right. going, what's your fucking opinion as a, a religious fanatic uh, from Utah, where most of the <laughs> funding came, came from? from? Yeah. Okay. They were going, hey, what do you think the Constitution says about this specific instance? That's what they were saying. Right. And those are two very different questions. If people took them to di- the, the whole issue, two different ways. And, and in my opinion, if you have a Constitution of the United States, uh, with the Fourteenth Amendment that protects people regardless of gender, all these different things, then it, it extends to to equal rights uh, to, to gays to uh, be married. And 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 if you try to say that it's because of you know marriage and, and religion and all of these things, well, you have uh, the Establishment Clause in the Constitution that says that the United States shall not make any law regarding the establishment of a religious institution on behalf of the state. So right. you cannot use that as a justification, given what is said in the Constitution. And that was the real question. It wasn't an opinionated question. Yeah, it became a philosophical argument or a religious debate instead of uh, whether it's lawful or not. Yes. And and that's where the, the, there was a huge mistake. Because all these people coming out, oh, no, no, you're too, it's destroying marriage. Um uh, fuck you. Uh, we, destroyed, <laughs> we destroyed marriage a long time ago. The divorce rate's like more than 50%. FYI. Speaking of which, you said that most of the funding came from Utah? Yes. Yeah, m- the, yeah the most funding... of the funding came from out of state, Is, Isn't that the uh, where the, all the Mormons congregate? Yeah, yeah, yeah the, Mo- yeah, the yeah, who man. believe in multiple marriages? I, I don't want to even <laughs> that. Here's the thing. Uh, Proposition 8 
Proposition 8 in California was primarily primarily funded by the Church of Latter-day Saints, in, which is located in Utah. Right. And so their funding um, is what primarily fueled uh, Proposition 8 in California. Yep. And um, just to, like, bring another religious in- issue into this, like, there, I want to make it very clear that there are Christians, Mormons, Jews, Muslims that advocate for gay rights. They so do. it's not they completely yeah, yeah. anti. Like, if you believe in God, that does not automatically mean that you are anti-gay. In fact, the United Churches of Christ is currently on the, is it the plaintiff? I decide for no on eight to overturn uh, Proposition 8 in the federal courts. Not familiar with that. Yeah, okay. That sounds right. Plaintiff sounds right. I think it's plaintiff. Well, anyway, the United Churches of Christ and several other religious organizations are on the no side, meaning they're advocate, they're, they've placed their names officially on the, the court case saying that we want Proposition 8 overturned. Right. Specifically for religious religious freedom, because if you're part of a church or a congregation that marries same-sex couples, that acknowledges that same-sex couples have the right to get married, don't ah, doesn't that's, that's their religious freedom uh, doesn't their religious freedom yeah. enable them to say hey we want our these licenses recognized by our government too yeah yeah it does it does All right, I, got, I got a question for you as far as the whole prop eight thing goes it, it did get overturned last time it was up uh, since then it had has the opportunity to be brought up again however there was not enough signatures to put it back on the ballot for well, this November. The gay rights movement is fighting Proposition 8 on two different fronts. One is through the state legislature, meaning, you know, just to continually put it on the ballot until we get enough votes to overturn it here in the state. Right, right now, the ban is in place. When uh, Proposition 8 passed in 2008, so same-sex marriages were banned legally. Mm-hmm. We appealed to the state Supreme Court saying that it's unconstitutional. The state Supreme Court said that the, the Californians, Californians had the right to alter the Constitution to say that marriage is defined as between a man and woman. And technically, they were right. We do, as Californians, have the right to rewrite our but Constitution in any way we say. it two-thirds vote. It didn't take just a 51% majority, and that's mm-hmm. the difference between Prop 8 and what had happened. Mm-hmm. So they made an error there, in my opinion. And even, and even regardless, even if we do have the right to um, alter our Constitution, the, the 14th Amendment guarantees that the state cannot make laws that um, deny the rights and privileges of any group of people on the state level. Yeah, but the and Supreme Court doesn't have enough balls to take the case yet. That's really the truth. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, to, to continue on, so uh, we were denied at the state level. So then it was appealed to the federal courts. And right now, Proposition 8 is in the federal court, and it's being um, uh, decided on by Judge Walker. And he, on... Ninth Circuit. The, on the 15th of this month, he's supposed to issue a ruling on whether Proposition 8 is federally constitutional or is not. Is that right? And so, um, no matter no matter what way he decides, um, both sides obviously are going to appeal. So, right. at that point, it'll go to the Ninth Circuit Courts, and then whatever decision there is will probably be appealed to the United States Supreme Court. The Supreme Court has the option to either accept the case or say we're not going to touch it at this time and just leave it whatever the decision is at the Ninth Circuit. So, it is possible that this could... Which is a type of ruling. Mm-hmm. To be honest, that is a type of ruling. They're saying we're going to defer to the lower court, which means that they think that the reasoning of the lower court was sufficient enough to explore the issue and make an accurate decision. Okay. But a, a, an issue that high a profile, the Supreme Court's going to take. You don't get much bigger than this as far as civil a, rights. Yeah. But uh, the, the point I was trying to bring up is uh, from what I heard last, and maybe I'm incorrect in this, mm-hmm. after the Prop 8 was voted yes on, and pretty much gays can't get married. There was an opportunity to put it back on the ballot again for this November. True. And we did not get enough signatures to put it on the ballot. I think uh, the gays need a better publicist. 
<laughs> which uh, I find a little bit ironic, kind of like your dad being a fashion designer. <laughs> <laughs> but because the, the, the goddamn pot smokers got enough signatures to get it on the ballot. Mm-hmm. And, and they're mostly lethargic. Yeah, a very non-motivated group of people got enough signatures to put it on the ballot. But the gays were not able to. So what, what, how, is, how is this possible? Because to me, I think, I think gay marriage is a bigger issue than pot smoking. It's very true, but I think there's a lot of I think there was a lot of fear incorporated with it too, because you have to understand like in order to get signatures, you have to be coming up and talking to perfect strangers continually asking for signatures on this, and both sides have already experienced a lot of physical violence on both sides, so I think that might have played a small role in it and but I think the bigger issue is that our generation, like the younger generations are a lot more complacent when it comes to civil rights issues. We're not in the dark ages of like where segregation was in place, where people were literally fighting in the streets, tearing up cars, tearing up cities, demanding that you know everybody be acknowledged for equal rights and not being discriminated against. I can see that. Well, not, not only that, but there's there's perfectly legitimate legal venues to actually explore this issue already to an, a sufficient extent. For instance, um, there are certain states, district. For instance, the District of Columbia, um, it's legal to get married uh, if you're. If you're a gay couple, right. and recently, uh, though a gay couple has moved from the District of Columbia, got ma- they got married there, and they moved to another state. The state didn't recognize. Right, their marriage. so you gotta look. Uh, no, because no. states have an agreement that it, marriages are recognized in all states. In all states, is that right? Yes, there's there's a federal law in place that says this that they have to. So. If it, it, this is another potential case where if it goes high enough and the Supreme Court recognizes it, a, a, a broad sweeping right for gays to be married, it could supersede any state law. It could it could overturn Prop 8 on a federal level. They will go, no, this is unlawful. No law can be set, said to limit gays' rights to marry uh, on a state level, and they have an uh, a, uh, just inherent right to this this uh, marriage. Am I um, the club? The Lambda Club on campus has two advisors, um, Professor Joe Franco and Professor Kimberly Earhart, who are both openly gay and lesbian, respectively. And Joe Franco, who is um, a Quaker, uh, Quakerism is a denomination of Christianity, right. um, is very pro, pro-gay pro rights issues. And so, like I was saying about the religious freedom issue, he was considering filing a lawsuit with the state saying, you are denying me my religious freedom to be to have a marriage that is recognized by my church. And so that's, there. Are, as you said, there are a lot of uh, yeah, ways you can... Alternative means already. It, it, it doesn't require people taking to the streets in mass right now. I'm not saying that it requires it, but there's not, we, our generation doesn't necessarily feel that sense of urgency like earlier generations did, where they feel like, like I said, it's just a sense of complacency, where we're just kind of like, oh, whatever, if it happens, it does, if it doesn't, it doesn't. Well, I feel like legal precedent has already set it up to the extent where uh, a decision, if it got that high, will clearly be ruled in getting gays uh, favor. favor already. If you look at past president, respect for all of it, 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 it's not even a question. It just has to get there. And it's funny because... It's going to be there within the the year, easily. A year, you think? Two years max. Yeah, I think it'll take a little longer than that. But like uh, a lot of issues, history will not look kindly upon us, I don't think. Because there there was a time, uh, and looking back now, it's retarded, where there was segregation between the blacks and the whites. Yeah. Different schools, different goddamn water fountains, even. Looking back, they're retarded. And I feel like... Plessy versus Ferguson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think right now, 
in the future, they're going to look back on us in the same way. Like in the next 50 years, people are yeah, going to be like, won't. what the hell? Yeah, you didn't I mean, engage game major? You're retarded. I was disappointed. I mean, California's been at the forefront of uh, pretty much every liberal agenda, liberal policy that uh, we've been we've been at the forefront of all of these progressive policies and considered to be, you know, having having a great degree of foresight. Been admired by the rest of the nation as, as somebody that was right there, you know, on the edge of everything, going, you know, you know. We have yeah. to respect people and their, their economy. The, the liberalism is not always a bad thing. It's not socialism like a lot of conservatives try to paint it as. And if you look at a lot of the civil rights issues, I mean, just looking at uh, the Black Panthers, they, they, they started in Oakland. You know what I mean? The, the, a lot of the, the gay rights movements, the gay rights organizations, they had a lot of solidarity right here in California. So when, when that came down, that uh, kind of like overturned the long history of California being at the forefront of liberal policy as far as the United States is concerned. Yeah, and, and this is one of those things that, uh, along with the, uh, the the pot that I brought up earlier, it's it's one of those things that it, it's so it's so divisive. divisive, divisive. Thank you. Uh, that it's because it's almost right down the line as as far as uh, gay marriage goes and as far as even pot smoking goes. That this is going to be something that sooner or later. Somebody's gonna win. In in my mind, it's just two things that are just blatantly obvious. We yes. should be legal, and gays should be able to marry. Yeah, it's just bottom line. And I I feel like every single argument I've ever heard against gay rights to marry is 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 borderline retarded. It, it's just really just I, I I I cringe that that people out there believe it to the extent that there's actually a a, a group a large enough group of people out there where. It has legislatures and, and representatives going, you know what, maybe I should vote against gay rights. There's that many people out there. You know, as, as obvious as it is to me, I'm like, is there really that large of a group of people out there that it's not fucking obvious to? What, what you think gay is a disease? You think that... that <laughs> That's exactly that, I right. mean, No, I mean, the conservatives tried to pitch it. Oh, well, well we're going to have to teach... They're going to have to teach gay uh, sex in uh, classrooms in elementary schools. Yeah. They can't even teach fucking straight sex. <laughs> How are they going to teach gay sex? It's it's a whole lot of misinformation. That's the why the abstinence-only policies by the Bush administration that backfired them in the long run because it's shown to be largely ineffective. At the time, those were the ones in policy. They're saying, oh, no, we're going to teach gay sex in elementary school. They can't teach straight. Yeah. <laughs> can't teach any kind of sex. They can't teach any, yeah, they can't teach any sex, period. It's, it's, it's and then one of the high schools, but not in the classrooms. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then the funniest, the funniest argument, like in favor of um, denying gay people the right to marry, is that marriage is supposedly um, primarily for procreation. And Judge Walker, who is currently presiding over the, prop the federal propate case, said, yeah. "Well, then does that mean that I can't, I shouldn't marry elderly couples who decide to get married because obviously they can't procreate if they're in their like you know 80s, uh, 90s." Exactly. Uh, yeah. So if you're going to say that marriage is primarily for procreation, or, or then for instance, or infertile people. Yeah, the, the infertile little, couples. Infertile couples. You gonna then, you gonna tell me that uh, that that dude that married Anna Nicole Smith he can't marry her now? Because you know he's shooting blanks. <laughs> and I, I know that we've already talked about the religious issue, but you know there are people who say that marriage is a religious institution solely and should be recognized only by uh, right. religious da da da. Which but then the why? Wrong. Okay, if okay, okay, let's take that argument. If that's true, then why are atheists allowed to get married? I, I don't see any possible argument where the I'm like, oh, well, you know, they got something there. Yeah, it's just intolerance. But like I said, you guys need better publicists. <laughs> <laughs> All the misinformation, it's going the wrong way, man. Well, even, even weed, man. 
weed is fucking sick. I think that the biggest reason weed should be illegal is so that we can keep people off harder drugs. Because you know what happens is weed is is so uh just like like non-threatening. Yeah, it's it's non-threatening. It's it's not really bad for you. They've they've had multiple studies that show that weed is actually less harmful than drinking liquor and smoking cigarettes. It, and and it, what happens is is you have kids out there, you know they'll they'll take their first hit of marijuana, and they'll go, you know what I'm fine. I wonder what else they were lying to me about. Right. And what ends up happening is that's when weed turns into a gateway drug. Because you know there's this whole thing weed's a gateway drug. Weed's a gate. That's why it needs to be legal. No no no. Weed needs to be legal because it is a gateway drug when it is illegal. Because if they, if children get the impression that you're lying to them about how harmful something is, say, say for instance, they went through that same experience and they took a harder drug. They took acid or, or shrooms or something like that. They're, they're, they're going to be tripping for fucking th- three hours to three days. And I'm going, fuck, they weren't lying. I just saw the devil fucking wanting to do the Macarena with me. I, I, I am not going to question this shit next time they tell me something. I'm not going to do heroin speed, anything. Okay, but if you, you try to pitch them that same shit, Reaper Madness, on weed, they're going to they're gonna be like, hey, you know what, Let, let's uh, do a line of coke. Let's smoke some some rocks. It, whenever know, whenever I hear people talk about the war on drugs, I always bring up prohibition. We at one point thought alcohol was just the evil of the world, yeah. and we banned it legally. Did anybody stop drinking? No, it just turned into a black market where people yeah. were willing to pay any right. amount of money. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's another thing. By legalizing it, it will help the economy, which is a, a big thing. But also, I feel that gay marriage also helps the economy. Because right now, people are having to go out of state to get married to come back to be legalized here. And then you have gay divorce. Right. And, uh. How, they, how many gay people are wedding planners? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, seriously. The, the gays know how to throw a party. They don't just have a couple of streamers. It's a big fucking. See, one of, the jo- one of the jokes was that we, uh, like all gay wedding planners and hairdressers are just boycott working until gay marriage is yeah. legal. Nobody be able to get married. Yeah. <laughs> That's what would happen. You value marriage, not none of you get married. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're not planning no more. You will look hideous on your wedding day. <laughs> I could I could definitely see that happen. That is a very realistic outcome. They they would have not have any uh couture. Uh, they would <laughs> Yeah, we had the day without a Mexican, why not the day without a gay? See how that works out. That'd be ridiculous. Everybody have horrible hair and look horribly dressed. <laughs> All right, anything uh you want to bring up, Skylar, before we uh, wrap up? I don't know, we covered a lot. We we did cover quite a lot. This is uh Going on two hours now, total, all our talking. Well, I guess I could end it just with discrimination by sexuality, because I know that we, you guys talked about that before, but and we talked about it in the last podcast. But it really I irritates me. Bisexuals, uh, I love bisexual. If you look at the women uh, that, are, like I said before, in my dating life, I, they're primarily uh, bisexual, and I enjoy that very much, <laughs> very very much. But I think what irritates me the most is very much. <laughs> <laughs> You have gay men and women who are, you know, either in like politically in favor of gay rights, but then they just bad talk bisexuals like crazy, and they hold these like really negative stereotypes about them. Like, do you understand how hypocritical you're being? Right. I really, you're. Just, it amazes me. Like, I did. I remember I did a panel once, and I was discussing the fact that I prefer dating bisexual men just because they have a natural attraction, both men and women. And one of the girls raised her hand, a straight student, and she said, "Well, wouldn't it bother you that you know he's going to be having sex with uh, you and then women too?" And I was like. <laughs> 
okay, for in a relationship, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's just going to be, like, yeah. fucking whoever. Like, like suddenly he's <laughs> not cheating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if anything, uh, if bisexuals catch a lot of crap from the gays and lesbians... Rephrase, please. What? <laughs> bisexuals catch a lot of crap? Please rephrase. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. If, catch, if bisexuals receive uh, a lot of discriminatory action from the gays and lesbians, uh, I think that it should, uh, if anything, Given given my outlook uh, on behalf of uh, the straight public, it should be the other way around. Uh, lesbians should be, you know, catching flack for not being bisexual. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just saying. If, if if any of this criticism is coming from the lesbian uh, demographic, uh, good luck there. As far as the, the dating world goes, this uh, just brought up another question that I had. How does promiscuity factor in with gay relationships? Because what I've heard is gay men are a lot more promiscuous than pretty much anybody else on the planet. I think I think that there's a hint of truth to that um, for younger gay men. And I think primarily it has to do with biology because uh, men and women hit their sexual peaks at different points in their lives. And so gay men obviously hit, or men in general, hit their sexual peaks earlier than women do. Right. So obviously younger gay men are going to be a little bit more sexually charged, I guess, than anybody in sense, you know. I'm in, I'm in one sex and blah, blah, blah. I'm in my prime. <laughs> but I think as, I think as everybody progressively becomes older, we become more concerned with settling down and structuring our lives around monogamy. Because I know a lot of gay men, um, young and old, who, like, want, do want to have, uh, committed monogamous relationships and who have been in monogamous relationships too. Um, let, let me ask you, hold on. Let me, let me, uh, familiarize you with something. I had a, uh, teacher. Of philosophy, and she was a lesbian. She had a partner and everything, and uh, she she familiarized us with the statistic uh, of countries where gay marriage was legal, and uh, she had said that, as far as divorce is concerned, only thirty percent of lesbian couples get divorced, but fifty percent of gay couples, uh, I mean men, men homosexual mm-hmm. couples get divorced. Which means, uh, the way she synopsized it was, uh, I guess it's the man's fault. <laughs> oh, God in heaven. Oh, funny. But, I mean, that's, that's another stereotype, too, that, um, women who, women who have sex with women are, um, more primarily concerned with being in a relationship. Like, the, there's a joke about, um, what does a lesbian bring on a second date? It's a U-Haul. A U-Haul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because she's I've heard move. that before. <laughs> they, they move in like that. It's crazy. <laughs> And I, I think that uh, that goes back to just basic male-female psychology. Um, statistically, women are more likely to cheat if they're emotionally dissatisfied being in a relationship. Men are more likely to cheat if they're sexually dissatisfied in a relationship. Okay. So, I mean, that psychologically is going to play into gay and lesbian couples. So, if men are if men jump into if men are hastily jumping into a relationship where they're not emotionally or sexually satisfied with their partner, obviously the they're going to go through serial relationships a lot more easier than maybe heterosexual or lesbian couples. I, I, I suppose that's why uh, I, I, I guess I could actually only speak for myself, but personally, I found a great degree of difficulty in, in the relationship field, and it's not because you know p- people are particularly difficult, but be- because I, I kind of transcend that that, uh, that uh, archetype there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not completely physically based. I, under, I I know that the majority of men are, but and I'm not saying, uh, emotional I'm not saying sa- emotional satisfaction to me it holds a great degree of primacy in a relationship, and 
if I find somebody who can emotionally, intellectually satisfy me, I feel like I can actually sat, uh, sacrifice a great degree of physical intimacy for that. And I have before. And this is a, these are issues that we talk about in a lot of gay groups, too. Uh, we had this specific discussion at uh, Buenos Aires Pomona a couple of weeks ago, and just talking about relationships specifically catered towards gay men. And one of the things I brought up is that um, just because these are these statistics exist so that we can understand what's wrong so that we can fix it. If it's true that, you know, men are more likely to cheat because they're sexually dissatisfied, you need to take that into consideration when you're actually building a relationship. Are the two of you emotionally and sexually compatible? And those, obviously the same thing would apply to women. Exactly. Are you emotionally, are you emotionally compatible you're, with you're this right. person? You're right. You're right. If we're trying to bag a chick, we need, as straight men, we should be more uh, emotionally sensitive. And if they're trying to bag us, they should just put out a little more often. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? I mean, it's all about reciprocation there. Yeah, cool. We're on the same page there. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad. Thank you for that, Skyler, as, as a neutral third party. <laughs> I think just in general, whether you're gay, straight, or bi, like, every, every individual is going to be different, and people's individuality are always going to play a role in whether a relationship is going to be successful or not. There are a lot of gay men who are just all about monogamy. Like, they don't necessarily care a lot about sex. They just want to be in a committed relationship with somebody. There are going to be gay men who are the exact opposite, who only care about sex, and then the same with... Um, lesbians and bisexual women. So one of the things I always tell people is that just because a statistic exists, it doesn't give you an excuse to stereotype people. It just gives you a, a general perception of how yes. a certain community yes. tends to act, but you can't apply that to every single person because every single oh, person yeah. can be different. Yeah, and I've said it before that I'm a, I'm a huge uh, fan of stereotypes and or profiling because there is reasons for that. Uh, the mass, The vast majority of people have given cause to why this is true. So it's up to you to show that you're different than the stereotype, but yeah, it is there for a reason. But I, I feel like that despite whatever background you, I, Skyler, whoever we are, whoever is, I, I choose to associate myself with closely is from, we are very good at conveying our worth yes. just as human beings. It, not, not even it, it having to do with any individuating aspect of our background, just being able to identify with people. And, and I feel like the most disrespectful instances that we run into is when people don't recognize that, and then I'm just like, yeah, fuck you, by the way. You're <laughs> ridiculous. Right. Ah, this has been a lot. There's so much, so much more we should probably be talking about. We will have you back on the podcast at some point. Sweet. But uh, thank you so much for coming by, having this conversation with us. I, I trust that uh, we treated you right. Didn't get too crazy. That's all good. All right, fantastic. Then we will have you back. And uh, he hates you. <laughs> but I love Bruce Willis. <laughs> all right. Well, until next time, I am Adam. I'm Rex. I'm the Skyler. to jump to the left and then step to the right with your hands on your hips and then you need